WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, Online Experience Coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System. And today... I'm here with my boss, Mary Vermillion. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Neil. We Today we have a very special episode. If you're listening to this podcast in December 2021, then uh, you'll know that last month on November 14th, Whatcom County had major flooding across the county and especially in Sumas, the little town next to the border. And there was extensive damage in the Sumas Library. And today we have uh, four special guests, Whatcom County Library System employees, Kayla Sams, Lisa Gresham, Paul Fulner, and Deborah Morgan, who are going to talk about uh, the flood and their firsthand experience. Yeah. And, you know, Neil, this is something that I, first of all, thank you for, for going out and, um, gathering the story from Kayla and Lisa, Paul and Deborah. And this is the role the library can play, right? Is um, archiving these stories, sharing them with the community. And that, um, I think we both sound a little um, serious, more serious than we usually do in this lead up because this is a really sobering episode here and a reminder yeah. of you know, what our community faced and the challenges that a lot of people, especially in Sumas, are continuing to face as they recover from this really um, epic flooding episode here in, in Whatcom County in November 2021. And, and you're right, it's a, it's a sobering um, conversation that I had with, with all four of my colleagues, but it's also an uplifting story. It's amazing how people stepped up uh, the, you know, the whole town of, of Sumas and neighboring towns and the whole community um, and especially our, our library staff stepped up to pull things back together. And that's going to be a long process, but it's a commitment. And the town will come back, the library will come back, and you'll hear about that in this story. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of information to share, so maybe we should just get straight into this special episode. And thanks again for, for gathering the story. And thanks to Kayla and Lisa, Paul and Deborah and, and others who really helped out and are help, continuing to help as we make plans for the future of the SUMAS Library and, and how we're gonna continue to deliver services to our neighbors and friends who live there in SUMAS. Okay, well, let's, let's start it out. I'm amazed at that, that number. What did you say there was? Done. As of now, I'm over 3,300. And is that, are they all here? Or am I looking at 3,300 books? Uh, you're looking at more than that at the moment. Um, yeah, I've done, I've done most of the books over there. Um, so the only, and I've done those. So the, I only have one more big cart like this left. Um, and then finish this one. And then all those boxes of DVDs and stuff over there. Oh. So. Okay. So I'm going to guess there's probably going to be close to 3,500 at least. Because these things hold 
couple hundred books. It's hard to judge how many books yeah. there are, you know? Yeah. Like, I think, oh, that's maybe 20 books, and then you count, and it's like, oh, that's 45, 50 books. So it's Wednesday, December 8th, and I'm here at the Whatcom County Library System Administrative Services Office with Kayla Sams, who is a public services assistant at the Sumas Library. And as you probably know, on Sunday, November 14th, um, the Nooksack River breached, yep. breached its walls and uh, the town of Sumas was flooded in a, in a historic event, really. Yes, it has been a long time since it's flooded that, that big. Yes, that they've, big of a they've, flood. they've called it a 100-year flood, right? I don't know if I've seen it called that, but I do know that I have a friend that whose home had not flooded for over 100 years since it was built, and it flooded this time. So I would call it a 100-year wow. flood. But, so uh, so we've had, I, yeah. we had, the Nooksack has overflowed many times. Yeah. Most recently in... The one before this was in February of 2020. And there's some amazing mm. pictures from that flood. Right. How would you say this flood um, compared to that one? This one was a lot worse. Um, I, the last flood, people were worried, but uh, I don't remember water getting in anybody's homes last time. Um, and it, de it did not... It got the water last time got up to the library, but the library was sandbag, and so it never got into the library um, the, in the last one. Um, so yeah, this one was definitely lost worse. There was I've heard estimates of seventy five to eighty five percent of homes have affect, been affected in Sumas and got flooded. Um, and then, as you know, of course, in the library we had a foot and a half to two feet of water inside the library. Yeah. Um, so, and and yeah, the and library wasn't the worst affected building in Sumas no, either. No, we were on a little bit higher ground than some of the other places in Sumas. And kind of when you when you see pictures of the library during a flood, it's like there's a moat around the library and we're up a little bit higher. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely a lot worse buildings affected yeah. than us. But in this case, it so. wasn't quite the moat wasn't quite enough. Wasn't wasn't quite enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a Sunday. And and what were you doing at that time? Um, that Sunday, so the Saturday before, that Saturday before I had been in the library and helped do a book club. Um, and at the time we didn't even kind of, I talked to the people that were working and they, you know, we didn't even talk about there being a flood or any concern at that time in the morning. Um, and then Sunday after Sunday afternoon, I had been hearing from Deborah Morgan, who works at the library and kind of just realizing there was a flood and, and different things. Um, and there was a call to help out in Sumas to do some sandbagging, to fill some sandbags. And so I went to Sumas um, and helped fill some sandbags and was hoping to bring some to the library to make sure the library was sandbagged this time. But there were so many people coming through when their homes, when their vehicles, they would just come and pick up sandbags that there wasn't, I, I didn't feel comfortable taking some for the library. Mm -hmm. I felt like we needed to help the people coming through to sandbag their homes. Um, and so I did that. And then I went and checked on the library at one point on Sunday. Um, and Paul Fulner from the Everson library was already there working on a, the door had kind of gotten broken somehow. Um, the latch was not working. And so he was fixing, working on fixing that. Um, and at that time I realized that they had the Saturday, that Saturday, the day before that a lot of the staff at the library that were there and also Deborah Morgan, had gone in, and Paul, I believe, as well, and put as much as they could up higher because they were expecting a flood. So taking the... So the taking the stuff on the bottom shelf 
and getting those up a little bit higher. And uh, in general, we usually don't keep much on our bottom shelves, just some open-faced books, because we have had a lot of, there ha not a lot, but there have been floods in the past that have gotten into the library. And so Deborah Morgan um, has been through that. And so she's always very aware of that and, and kind of keeps reminding us to make sure not to store a lot of stuff on the very bottom shelf just to make it easier to put those flood, yeah. put books up higher if, it, if we were um, concerned about flooding. So they put, uh, you know, the bottom shelf was all cleaned off. Um, and they worked on that and some few other things. I think Paul unplugged all the computer cables, I believe, and stuff like that on Sunday when he was there again. So just kind of trying to get everything up high because they, you know, we knew from 2020 we were okay, but we weren't really sure. Um, everybody expected it to kind of be the same thing as last year's, as the 2020 flood. Um, and sense. then as the water was coming in, there were pictures and posts and people like, this is a lot worse than last year's. It so. just kind of snuck up on you guys, didn't it? It did. It did. I mean, yeah, it did sneak, sneak up on everybody. Like I said, people were mostly, most people were, you know, told to kind of shelter in place, which a lot of people did during the last flood. Um, but this one, yeah, was so much worse and they needed to evacuate people and everything. So it was pretty unexpected that it was as bad as it was. On Sunday night, I kind of was up, you know, on Facebook, kind of following along and seeing what was happening and stuff. And, and I don't remember seeing there ever be an evacuation order. Um, so up by us, they, they have a, a siren that goes off when the huh. Nooksack has crest its banks and then another one when it gets into town is usually how they do it. So two different so sounds? Two different, no, they're the same sound. Same so sometimes it's a bit confusing. Okay. Um, but once the water has reached Sumas and um, over a certain road, you really can't get out. It's hard to, every, every place is a little too deep. So then they just say shelter in place, stay there. Um, so a lot of people just were at home um, and there wasn't a way to evacuate anymore. And then the waters were rising higher than they thought. So by Monday morning, um, I, you know, tried to get out, tried to go into town to get Deborah out because I had heard the it was getting higher. But by the time that was about 7.30, I couldn't get into town anymore. I didn't feel comfortable driving through the water that was over the road. And so then all that day, there was the reports of more and more people needing evacuation help. And there was a lot of, uh, uh, I think the emergency services were helping people, but then a lot of local farmers and stuff came with their tractors and boats and everything. So I We've, we've seen out. a lot of yeah. a lot of video yeah. of farmers yeah. and yeah. tractors and 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 boats. I I've right. seen pictures of right. uh, boats this, coming to to the yeah. library to the Sumas Library as well. Right. Yeah. A lot of people on that street um, getting rescued by the boats and stuff, and a tag tag team effect. I think people would go from a tractor to a boat to wherever because sometimes the boats couldn't get over. There were low areas and they couldn't get over through the oh. water. And the tractors could get through. Wow. Kind of amazing how how the the town rallied, how the community yeah. kind of rallied and everyone just brought what they could to right. to help out. Right. Um so yeah, it was amazing. So the flood happened Sunday night. Right. And then Monday is when a lot of people were evacuating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were watching from home. So I was watching from home. Um, yeah, and just trying to pay attention on Facebook, people posting that are still there. And uh, I saw the water up to the windows and I thought, mm, that's not very good. No. <laughs> that's that's going to be a problem. Um, and so then we just had to wait until 
the waters receded enough to be able to get in check and, you know, the kind of the, the danger passed. Um, the library where we're located, like I said, there's that kind of a moat <laughs> and there's a low area. So it took a few days before we could get to the library um, just because you, the water was way too high to drive through the main intersection that we would go through to get to the library. And I tried to walk there to go to the library um, parked at a place nearby and walked there, but it was just too deep. I would have had to go, you know, up to my waist to wow. kind of go through a little ditch area to get there. And I decided that really wasn't necessary at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, I don't think it was until about four days after, maybe Thursday, when Paul made it to the library to, to be able to get there. Wow. And, and, he, and he had to kayak across the pond. Uh, the moat. So I've seen pictures so, of that, I think, of Paul yeah. kayaking across to the library. Right. That's pretty, uh, pretty dramatic. Right, right. So maybe this is a good time to introduce Lisa Gresham, our collection services manager, who was part of the cleanup. Lisa, maybe you can tell us kind of from, from the, the administrative end, maybe what kind of how those decisions came to get in and how that, how that happened. Sure, Neil. Thanks for sharing your mic with me, too. Um, I have been fortunate, I guess, in my career um, working in libraries and bookstores before that, that I've never had to deal with this before. Um, so this was a new experience, um, trying to assess what, con what things we needed to be concerned about in terms of um, salvaging a collection that had been in a building that had, um, by some measurements, 24 to 25 inches of water in it for several days um, so I did a lot of reading about mold and how mold spores grow and, um, a, a colleague down at Snow Isle Libraries who has, who is the collection manager down there and had dealt with some flooding in her career reached out to me and she shared some information with me that was really helpful to have her support. Um, but we went in on, uh, Monday, so a full week after the flood to do a salvage operation. And um, before we went into the building, we were met by the company that the city of Sumas had hired to um, kind of oversee, you know, salvage operations throughout Sumas. And that was great because I was able to talk to the um, kind of lead person from that company and get his experience with mold and um, ask him questions about what he thought about the condition of the books that didn't actually get wet and would it be safe to salvage those. And felt very encouraged by his answer that he felt confident that they had gotten, you know, some big fans and air movement in there quickly enough that any of the books that didn't actually get wet from the water would be salvageable. Um, so we went into the library and um, it was pretty humbling and kind of shocking experience to see yeah. the books that had been, um, as Kayla mentioned, the um, Staff had been um, really alert in terms of trying to prepare for uh, the flood levels that we've seen in the past by removing things from the bottom shelves. And I'm really grateful to Deborah, particularly for, you know, kind of um, mobilizing staff on Saturday. Um, and I believe she even went back Saturday night after her shift and moved some more things, got things up on tables, got things up on higher shelves. And I'm sure saved a number of things that would have otherwise been completely waterlogged. But the waters had um, knocked uh, things that were on those bottom two shelves still onto the floor in many places. And it just felt really surreal. And, um, 
you know, kind of, you know, it was not a, for people that love books, it was a really a terrible feeling. I think all of us that were in the building can testify to that, to be just, you know, walking over, crunching on DVDs that were laying on the floor and kicking sodden, completely soaking books into piles um, so that we wouldn't be tripping on them. Anything that was on the bottom two shelves and was underwater was, you know, com a complete loss. Um, the next shelf above that, um, the books actually weren't, on, you know, in the water line. But after looking at them, I just felt like they were close enough to um, that moisture and any of the moisture that might have crept up through the wood in the wooden bookcases and transferred to those books on the third shelf up. Um, I just felt like they had had the opportunity to absorb enough ambient moisture that it was a risk to take those. And we decided to leave those. Um, but everything above that, then we packed up and moved back here to the administrative services building and then um, got fans into this building to move the air around. And, and I watched those books really closely for the first couple of days coming in here and pulling things off the shelves and inspecting them to see, you know, do they have any evidence of, wavy pages? Um, do I smell mold? Do I smell the, the smell in the building was so strong when we were there, even wearing respirators. I was really watching to see, did any of that smell come back in these books? Um, but I'm pleased to say that everything that we did salvage, I think is, um, it was wise to bring it back. It's going to be, um, usable again. We're going to plan on hanging it he onto it here until, such time as the Sioux Mass Library reopens, and then we'll restore um, this collection back to the Sioux Mass Library. What percentage of books do you feel like you might have salvaged here? Well, that's actually the work that Kayla is doing today. We have a snapshot of all of the items that were in at the Sioux Mass Library at the time of the flooding, and Kayla is working on scanning all of these items that we brought back into, um, you know, a record set. And then we'll compare the two to know for sure how many things were actually lost in the building. But, and at first I thought maybe we've been able to save 70%, but now it's looking, it's like, it's going to be more like 55 or 60%. Right, um, yep. right now we're at 3,200 books, over 3,200 items. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how many there before, but I feel like at least we were able to save that many because if you were in there and saw what it looked like, um, like Lisa said, with all the books on the floor and just covered in like a film of silt that had been in there from, from when it was flooding and just the squishy floor and everything. So just that we can save even that many is, is so nice. I have to say too, that silt was amazing. Like I'd never experienced that. And you couldn't really, I mean, there was, there would be a faint line where the silt was, but it, it wasn't like a thick mud. Um, and I know there were several of the metal book trucks that had been underwater and I thought, oh, I'll just clean off that bottom shelf. It doesn't, the silt doesn't look too bad. Um, and then we can use those carts for something. And I took a cleaner and sprayed that bottom shelf and it just turned into this amazing mud that would not wipe up. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just, it seems like a great opportunity. I don't know what that would be good for, but it was such a, <laughs> right. uh, such a kind of had this, these amazing qualities that it seems like there ought to be something that somebody can do in terms of doing something useful with that silt because <laughs> right. it really, really, really did not want to be cleaned up. Right. 
yeah, it was it was a mess. So Kayla, you came in and were involved in the cleanup. Yes. So, so. I was able to come in and help with the cleanup um, myself. And there was th we have three regular employees that work in SUMAS right now. Um, and so all three of us were able to be there. And uh, I know for myself, I really appreciated that we were able to be there and help with the cleanup and that administration said, yes, please come help us because it was nice to to see in person what the library was like and kind of also have a little bit of closure because we know in the future it's not going to be the same library. I mean, you know, it's going to be different somehow. Um, and so just being able to kind of say goodbye in a way um, to, to what, what we had there and how it was, was nice. And I appreciate that. Um, so the Sumas library was kind of a home for you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was really the branch that I worked at a lot and I've been there for five years. Um, and so, and I just live just outside of town. So I always have felt the connection to that library and, yeah. and the people who come in, all the patrons and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it was nice to just be able to, that must have, you must have just that. had some really powerful feelings when you walked in the first time. Yeah. I mean, like Lisa said, it was kind of humbling. Um, you, you know, we saw pictures from what Paul had taken and stuff, but until you see it in person, it's just, you don't really understand. Um, and seeing yeah, all the books on the floor and all the stuff on the floor and just the water levels and the dirt and stuff. And um, yeah, and just, it's a mess. And I, I don't think if you haven't seen it and you don't understand. Um, and the same thing, you know, I think about all the people living in Sumas as well and all the them having to clean out their houses and their garages um, and stuff and just dealing with all that. And yeah, it, yeah it's a mess. <laughs> and and it, it takes a long time to recover from that. And it's easy to forget, oh, it was a flood. Oh, let's move on. But there's still a lot of people dealing with with the repercussions of that flood for a while. Right, right. Um, and we're, so, you know, the library system is is trying to be there as a support and a resource, even though we don't have any staff at the library now. Right. Um, tell me about, you, you had told me a, a story of a patron who had... Yeah, uh, so I had a patron who contacted me um, through Facebook. And, um, and, you know, this was not, this was maybe on two Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. So just a couple days after the flood. Um, and I know she had evacuated, so she hadn't even been back to her home yet. Um, and she called me and was like, I know I have a lot of library books and how do I pay for them? And what do I do? And I kind of said, wow, you know, thanks for thinking of that, uh, so quickly, but that should be the least of your concerns. Um, I knew that she had gotten water in her house, but they didn't know how bad it was. Um, and so, you know, at what, we just had her call the Everson Library and all those books get removed from her account and there's no charges and she doesn't pay for them or anything. Um, but just the fact that she was concerned about her library books and the library and everything was just really heartwarming when she's in the middle of, you know, losing her whole home. Um, but this was a patron that comes in weekly with her kids, if not more than once a week. And they are really come to the library a lot and we are going to miss seeing them for a while for sure. And her family, but yeah. yeah. So maybe Lisa, can you speak to to what our response is to the books that are still in people's homes? 
So we are asking if if people have books in their homes that were damaged by the flood, please give us a call. Um, we don't want you to to return the books, the soggy, silt-covered books in a book return where they might damage other books. But um, definitely please give us a call if you have books that were checked out to you at the time of the flood and they were damaged, and we'll make sure that we get your accounts cleaned up. Um, I also just wanted to say um, we are planning for... Um, different and new new kinds of access to um, a library in Sumas. While the physical building um, there is closed, um, we realize that a lot of people are still really probably in kind of the overwhelmed stage, but I just want to emphasize that um, the library is still there. We intend to provide and are providing the same services that we always have. We can help with um, if you have forms that you need to print and fill out for the recovery effort, if you um, need to download something or send email, um, or even just need information resources and aren't sure where to turn, um, call any of our libraries and the staff will be happy to help you. The SUMAS library phone number, I believe, is um, ringing at Everson right now. So you can even call the SUMAS library and get help and you might even be able to talk to one of uh, the SUMAS staff who are um, being deployed elsewhere during this um, physical closure of the SUMAS building. There are plans being made for the bookmobile to have a stop in SUMAS and offer a browsing collection there and, you know, person-to-person -person staff support. And I, I know that when that happens that um, someone from the SUMAS staff will be on the bookmobile. So there'll right. be a familiar face for um, SUMAS library users when they come to that bookmobile stop. I believe it's going to be on Friday, Fridays. I don't know the exact time right now. Um, we had talked about starting that yet this month, but with the holiday and with the fact that um, so many people in SUMAS are still, as I said, in the overwhelmed point stage right now, um, we've decided to delay that until 2022, um, but look for an announcement about that um, starting right away in January 2022. Thank you, Lisa, for, for uh, sharing your thoughts. Yeah, just scanning in all these, uh, it's uh, kind of tedious work, but uh, it's in some ways a little refreshing. I just you know, I've always loved looking at the books that we have on the shelves and seeing what we've got because mm -hmm. there's so many amazing things in our collection that I just don't realize. And when you go on the library system's website and you kind of type in a keyword or something, you get some of the books, but you're not going to hit everything when you're just browsing. And so there's, it's nice to just physically look at the books and see what's in here. And I often come across a few that I'm like, oh, I want to put that on my holds list and stuff. So, right. um, it's a real unique experience to be in a library, right? Touching books, seeing books, and right. things that you you weren't looking for, right? Just right. just kind of running into things, right? Yeah, and and so I get sort of that privilege of doing that here as I'm scanning stuff. Um, yeah, since I'm not doing that in the library anymore, but yeah. All right, we're here in the Friends of the Everson Library warehouse across the street from the Everson Library. And I'm here with uh, Paul Fulner and Deborah Morgan. And we're gonna talk a little about the flooding, more specifically 
um, how it affected Sumas because both Paul and Deborah were involved in uh, rescuing. Well, let's just ask them what happened. Let's start with Paul. And Paul, you know, tell us a little about where, what you do and where you're at. Yeah, my name is Paul Fulner. I'm a public services assistant with the Whatcom County Library System, and I work out of the Everson branch. But uh, during the time of the November 2021 Whatcom County floods, I was the uh, assistant in charge for both the Everson and Sumas libraries. And as anybody who's seen this news recently knows, the Sumas library and the community around it were severely impacted by this. Um, one of our uh, one of our staffers who is impacted personally um, is Deborah Morgan, who's here with with us today. And uh, it was Deborah who really saved the day um, for the Sumas library that day because she was the first one to get word. She's a city council member in the city of Sumas, and uh, the mayor let her know that bad things were coming, and she took immediate action to save what she could of the library collections. She came in and bullied her way into uh, getting the, the the staff that were there that day to clear things off the bottom shelves. And she she really did um, everything she could to get the library safe and prepared for the flood that was coming. So, Deborah, tell us what what exactly happened that day. Well, over the years, we've had many flood warnings. And many times I put up books in the library over the years. And often I felt like a little boy that cried wolf because it never amounted to much. But two years ago, we actually saved the library by um, preparing an advance and putting everything up and bullying the mayor and the staff to put um, sandbags around the perimeter of the building. So you were bullying the mayor? <laughs> well, a lot of the people there had not seen the big floods. It, it was something new. Uh, they, they had like a little floods. We've had low-lying floods, and we've had floods, but the people who have been more recently in Suma really didn't have a clue in what it can involve. So that was an eye-opener when that flood came through. The and, one in the one in 2020. 2020, yeah. and um, we were fortunate. The library was okay. Um, my house had a little bit of damage underneath, and had to have some insulation replaced. But and our garage was a mess. But for the most part, we sort of got out of that one without much problem. So I started hearing rumors that there's another flooding incident coming. From one of my neighbors said something, and I started asking around. And sure enough, they were saying, "Oh, this is going to be a big one, like the one two years ago." I really thought it was going to be similar to the one we had before. Now that one in 2020, it came up to the library, but did and it go inside? It didn't go inside at all. Okay. They, they, they totally barricaded it with the sandbag, and I have pictures of it. It just looked like a little Long Island in the middle of a lake. <laughs> And they were quite phenomenal. Um, in our house, we were standing inside our house and watching the, we were an island in the middle of a lake. And it was quite fascinating, but it came so fast and it left fairly fast. But this time, I thought it was going to be something similar. I wasn't working that day, and the people who were working, they um, were subs, 
And so they weren't used to sumac. They didn't know sumac history. So I went in there to the library and I said, look, we have to empty the bottom two shelves in case it floods. Anything below your knees has to go up. They assumed me they would do that. And then I went home to prepare my home. Then after a little later, I heard from Paul saying that he went over and checked and that they did a pretty good job. But I wanted to reassure myself because I was really concerned about the history section of the library. And I had several personal items that I was using for history research that I did not want to have damaged. Stuff that I was scanning or cataloging for the rural heritage project and stuff like that. So I went over to the library and I moved that as far up as I could. And I walked around and thought, you know, I think we should move things even more. <laughs> and I went around the whole library pulling up more books because it just didn't feel right because I remember being told that in 1990 there was a flood before I worked there. And it was um, quite a bit higher than the one in two years ago. And so I tried to remember what I was told and tried to put things above that level, including the holds, the boxes of holds and totes that sort of got forgotten. So I moved those up high, so hopefully the people's holds would survive. And I still didn't really think it was going to amount to that much. Went home, and we waited. I didn't go to sleep that night. I kept waiting for the flood. The town has an eerie siren that goes off, and it sounds like an air raid siren in a movie. And it went off. What time was that, do you think? You know, I can't remember. I was moving the car, so I was walking back from putting the car in a safer place and walking back, and it went off. And it was just sort of like in a war movie and just a weird sound. But nothing happened. And I waited. I stayed up. I kept messaging my son, who was in Poland at this time. Was in Poland? Yes, he served in the National Guard, and he's oh, in wow. Poland. And so he kept asking me, well, how is it going? He was worried. And I said, nothing yet. Every hour, how is it going? Nothing yet. And I kept looking outside, nothing was going on. Finally, <laughs> um, I told him, Let's consider it a really slow disaster movie. <laughs> and then he left me alone for a while. But finally I thought the next morning it was sun shining and I looked outside and I thought, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we died the bullet again. I'm going to have to do all the work to put everything back. <laughs> but then the siren went off again. And it was very shortly after that the water came in fast and furious. And so there was nothing we could do except wait it out. My husband and my service dog, a um, hearing dog, which is a um, black lab, and I and was in our house as the water came up, came into our living room and became ankle deep. And finally they had to pick us up with a boat and take wow. us out of the um, house. And they took us over to... Well, the railroad crossing was, and it was too shallow for the boat. And then we had to go wading over to the other side where another boat picked us up. And then we got taken to a place where a tractor put us in a bucket and took us to safety. And then a 
band with her to take us to a evacuation center in um at the North Christ the King Church in Linden. And that's where we had to wait it out. And I didn't know anything about the library at that point. I didn't know if it survived. I know the city did do a little bit of sandbagging, but not to the extent as they did the last time. Um, they just didn't cover it. And someone told me they had a little bit of a shortage of sandbags this time. I think more people were aware of it. And so they didn't have as many to use. But I don't think it would have done any good as it was. Um, and so I knew nothing about the library. I did look in my phone when I took pictures while we were being boarded out. I thought I could see the library off in the distance, one of the pictures, and it didn't look good. But I couldn't really tell. So it wasn't until um, I heard back from Paul a couple days later. And he's the one that went and found out what had actually happened. So this might be a good time to turn back yeah. to Paul and find out what really happened. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a surreal experience to watch how the flood played out. So for, for Deb, it was wait and wait and wait and nothing seems to be happening and nothing seems to be happening. Um, from the outside, all we could really do, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, what, 15 miles away from Sumas. I'm not a Sumas local. Um, I live down by Nugent's Corner, so I'm, I'm watching the flood gauges online. And I'm watching the forecasts on the flood gauges get worse. And suddenly that, that little red line that makes everybody really nervous is going above the record line. And I know what that last flood was like. Um, so I made one last trip out to, uh, out to Sumas. Um, I guess it would have been the Sunday. Uh, ran into another staffer there um, who was also concerned. And we basically did one last little look around. Um, and there, were, there was a certain amount of fatalism at that point. She and I just kind of looked at each other. She was, I was heading home to, you know, prep at my place. And she was headed with her boys off to uh, fill sandbags with the city. Um, it was like, well, we've done what we can do. And now we just wait and see what nature has in store. Well, let's go back to Deborah for a minute. What were you feeling? I mean, you had to, you haven't been through this tight this severe a flood before is that right yeah right you've been through some floods yes and we've lost things in our garage and we've had to replace insulation and, and it is weird sitting on your porch watching things float by in front of your door but we've never had it come up to our first floor our foundation is raised a bit so we could sit on our porch and sort of watch things around us this time it went beyond that and this time it came directly into our house. And you were you were ankle, the water yeah. was up to your ankles? Ankle. Yeah, one part of, our, part of our house, I noticed looking at the lines afterwards, looked like it got about six inches at one part of my house. And I don't know if it was just siphoned up the wall or if it was the floor maybe not even. I'm not sure what. Um, but it was, yeah, it wow. was enough to do some damage. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And now Paul... You came back to the library. Yeah, so since I was in charge, so I, I was responsible, right? And um, Everson, normally we do not fear for the Everson Library at all. Um, it is high and dry in any major flood event. Um, this time challenged all my preconceived notions about that. We had water halfway up the curb in front of the library. Um, I saw pictures of that and I got pretty dang worried. Um, by the time, uh, 
you know, we were all seeing, you know, flood pictures on the news and things like that. I, I took it for granted that Sumas was going to be done, um, that there would have been water in the library. From, from all the pictures I was seeing, even though I hadn't seen anything specific of the library yet, I knew that there had to be a significant amount of water in that building. Um, I had staff members who were hopefully trolling Facebook, looking for people's, you know, photographs taken from their second story windows before they were rescued. I mean, it, it, the, the flow of information was bizarre. Um, but you would you would get some little shot and there's the library in the background. Um, then finally, I got a good picture from someone uh, actually from our from our retired manager, Eileen Shaw, uh, who had gotten it from a lady who runs a food pantry there in Sumas. And before she was rescued, she was up in her second floor and took a shot down the road. And there's this you know, large excavator driving down the street to rescue folks. And there's the library in the background with uh, water lapping at the bottoms of the windows. It's like, OK, that's how bad it is. Um, at that point, it was it was a matter of time. We knew I, I knew we needed to get into those buildings as quickly as possible um, to see what the damage was and to start to mitigate the effects of mold and mildew. Because there's what the water touches, and then there's everything else in the building. Um, so I started conversations with uh, our, our central offices to see what kind of resources and policies we needed to get moving in that direction. Um, because I, I knew that cleanup, and, you know, as soon as those waters come down, we had to be in those buildings working um, to, to save what we could of the collections that were there. Um, and then the waters took so long to come down in Sumas. I, I have lived here my entire life. I got 39 years living on a tributary of the Nooksack. So floods are no big deal to me. We had no damage. We respect the river. We keep all of our you know, infrastructure and buildings above the waterline. Um, but in Sumas, floods do not act the same way. That place became a lake and it stayed for days. So long after the flood event was essentially over in the rest of the county, um, Sumas was still a pond and uh, staff members were trying to get through to the Sumas library and just could not make it. Finally, somebody showed me a picture where they had gotten, I don't know, 30, 40 feet away from the library building. Um, but at that point it was waist deep and I was like, okay, I can, I can cover that. <laughs> so, um, I borrowed uh, a couple of kayaks from my folks and, uh, the next morning my, my wife and I, uh, headed out that way in the pickup and, you know, drove through, drove through a couple of road closed signs in, in Sumas and, uh, got to where we needed to get. And, uh, there were, there were all kinds of service providers trying to get to the affected parts of Sumas um, so that they could start cleanup work. And we came up behind a couple of guys who were parked in their work vans at an intersection within a block of the library. And they were trying to decide if they could get across or not. And uh, we unloaded the kayaks and pushed off. And they said, we'll, we'll see how deep it is when you go across. <laughs> and a few seconds later, they turned those vans around and they went home because um, they were not getting through that intersection. Uh, yeah, and my wife, uh, my wife and I were able to gain access to the building. Um, city workers were just making it into the other half of the building uh, where the senior center and the community center are located. Um, Emily and I were able to gain access through a side door. And it was dark because they had just turned the, uh, the power off. Um, when you walked around inside, you heard the wet slap of your boots on the silt, which was, you know, quarter inch thick everywhere. And just this thick, wet, 
gloppy mass that was everywhere you walked. Um, you couldn't take a step without leaving a footprint. So pretty soon we had boot prints all over that building. Um, and there was a clear water line that you could follow. You know, everywhere there was a piece of wooden furniture, everything below was bleached out and swollen. Um, books were so compressed on the shelves from being pushed together by the, uh, the water as it caused them to expand. That um, In the picture book section, they were actually breaking the shelving, pushing out so hard um, from the force of all the water they had soaked up that the shelving itself was coming apart. Um, books were pushing themselves off of the shelves um, as they expanded. There were, you know, everything that could float, DVDs, audiobooks, was just strewn on the floor. Um, it was hard. Um, but we went in with a list of objectives. We started snapping all the pictures we knew that the system would need for insurance purposes and the kind of planning for, you know, we, we had all these materials that were above the waterline and we, we needed to start what we could, uh, to start the processes of rescuing those items. Um, so the pictures I sent off to our folks at uh, Central Services were both a, you know, an account of the damage that occurred, but they were also intended to be a bit of a spur that, you know, it came up two feet. It was, there was 24 to 26 inches of water in that building. Um, but everything above that, that's retrievable if we go now. Um, if we wait a few days, that's gonna be a soggy mess or there's gonna be mold and mildew. Nobody's ever gonna want those materials again. Um, so we need to move and God bless them, they moved. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's hard to hear. I wasn't in the middle of it, but listening to this is just, it just makes it so, so real. What's next? What's next, Deborah? Doctor, the big question. Um, uh, hopefully we'll be back in our house sometime this year. Um, next year, probably. It'll take about several months to just get things started to build. We have to let everything dry out. We have, you know, for move, us moving back, the town is vacant. It's eerie. Really? The street that um, my house is on, which is something like one man, um, there's a big house. And on each corner, there's two big houses that were about eight inches above the level and were able to, the people are living there still. But the whole street is empty. All of our neighbors, they can't live at home. Um, I don't know when the people who live in the apartment across the, the library are able to go back. They had to be rescued out, too. And they were some of our main patrons. I don't know when they can go back home. Yeah. And who will want to? Yeah. Uh, we want to. It's our home. Right. We still have a mortgage to pay on it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is our home. And we're going to do our best to get it back and... and Try to make it a place we love to live in again. But what about everybody else? I don't know about the renters around us. I don't know what our community is going to look like in the next few months. It's just hard to even imagine. So, you know, our doctor's office um, was badly damaged. And he put out an announcement that he's not reopening. So we don't have a doctor now. Um, so the, the town is not going to look or feel the same. Mm -hmm. And we can just do the best we can to 
pull ourselves out of it and try to figure out ways to avoid future damage. What can the library do for the next time that happens? Yeah. Because it probably will happen again. I, I think Deborah got on to something that's really important here, that, that SUMAS is not going to look the same after this event. Um, this is, this is the, at least the third major flood in like 35 years, right? Almost the entire town is in the 100-year flood zone. And we've just had, you know, 300-year floods in significantly less than 100 years. Um, and when we look at a library building that has been flooded twice and nearly flooded once, um, that's going to change how we how we operate going forward and the kinds of decisions we make. We are, yeah, we are absolutely committed to being there. Um, but what changes do we need to make as a library and as a system um, to best accommodate the folks that are in SUMAS? Um, that's going to require some creative thinking on our part. Right now, uh, Alexa Andrews is the uh, branch manager of both the Everson and SUMAS libraries. Um, she is heavily involved in looking at what services are going to look like going forward. So, you know, we're talking about things like lockers and bookmobile visits and, you know, temporary spaces and, you know, Wi-Fi setups just so that locals can use, you know, all, all the usual technology that's in their pocket. But uh, connectivity is always a problem in SUMAS historically and, you know, now especially that infrastructure has taken such a hit. Um, so we are desperately looking for ways that we can help desperate people in desperate times. Thank you, both of you, for sharing your stories. Um, I... I think this is, it's important for us to, to document this now while, while it's fresh and, you know, while it's, it's in the present, this isn't history yet, but it will be. Um, and, you know, our, our hearts all go out to the citizens of Sumas and the other areas that were affected because, because while Sumas got hit the hardest, it wasn't the only part of Whatcom County that got hit. The, the Whatcom County Library System is actively looking for ways to to support and help all the communities of Whatcom County. But I really want to thank you, both of you for, number one, for being there and for being on top of things. Um, you know, without, without your intervention, things could have been a lot worse for the SUMAS Library. Um, thank you. Um, Deb and I were both part of the Whatcom County Library System crew that went in to retrieve library items. And though I was the first one in the building and I encountered it in all its soggy nastiness, um, and that was not fun. That was, that was, it was, it was not a tearful moment. It was a hard moment, but it was not a tearful moment. Um, the hard moment for me was after we had carefully packed up all those library materials and you looked around and you knew that everything that remained was garbage and the library had left that building. That was hard. Um, but we went away with the promise and the knowledge that that library was gonna come back. We don't know what that's gonna look like, but the Sumas Library will be coming back to Sumas. So here's one thing that, that I've been trying to do and I didn't warn you about this. Okay. Um, with with most of the people that I interview, I try and ask them for, um, usually I'll do a series of books, series uh -huh. of types of books. But I think for for um, 
this interview in this situation. I just want to know if, if there's a hopeful book that you have that keeps you... Uh, a hopeful book. An encouraging book. I think in this kind of... That kind of lifts you up and is... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's it might be kind of uh, an odd choice, but um, I read a book this past year called The Authenticity Project. It's a work of fiction, um, but it's a story of a woman who writes this journal entry and leaves it somewhere and this gets passed around to a couple different people. And it's just about connecting with people um, that you wouldn't normally connect with. And so to me, that's kind of hopeful. Um, just sort of, yeah, seeing people as people um, and and really getting to know these people, like in this book, outside of what their main who, they would have never been friends with these people, and this sort of journal and book kind of brings them all together. Um, and it's definitely had some funny parts and some some sad parts and stuff. But that was a book that I read that is kind of a a hopeful book to me. And what's it called again? The Authenticity Project. Okay. Um, and it's available in you know a book or also an audio book. I listened to it as an audio book, and I thought it was an excellent audio book. The character's voice or the reader's voice, I thought was wonderful. So. Great. Great. I will have a link on, on, on our website to that. Right. All right. So Kayla, yeah. thank you for, for taking time out of your, your recovery gonna, efforts here. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll be done today um, with all our books. I was here last Monday, a week ago, mm -hmm. um, and did got the majority of the stuff done and hopefully I'll finish everything up today. Um, and then, yeah, Lisa will have a better idea of what percentage of books we could save and and what to do with all this stuff. Yeah. Until, all right. Yeah. Okay, well, so, thank you. Thank, thank you. Again. That's our show. I want to thank our guests, Kayla Sams, Lisa Gresham, Paul Fulner, and Deborah Morgan for agreeing to share their stories. If you or your loved ones were affected by the November flood, or if you're looking for ways to support our communities, you can find a wide range of resources that might be helpful on our website at wcls.org slash community dash resources. Or look for the community resources umbrella image on the front page of our website. As always, much gratitude to my boss, Mary Vermillion. In the words of the poet Amanda Gorman, there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. Until next time, this is your host, Neil McKay, for the Whatcom County Library System.